welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your host, Daniel. And Daniel. Daniel, I am going to say good morning today. No. We were just discussing this right before our episode. And I'm tired because of what we all did on the weekend. Oh, man. I'm still, I'm still <laughs> doing this. So as far as I'm concerned, Daniel, good morning. No. No, <laughs> it's not good morning. And I get what you're saying because uh, Saturday was rough. I don't know what you're complaining about because the last three days I had to be in a vehicle as well as the Saturday. Well, then good morning. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I'm still going to keep going with it. But either way, no, we're, I'm a bit tired. Um, so if I start stumbling in this episode, hopefully we'll be all right. You're getting your coffee. You're getting good to go. You're going to get all pepper. I up. always have my coffee. You I'm might. like you. I'm smart. Uh, halfway through your, your discussions, if I pass out, just go with it. Run. Run I'll, with I'll it. poke you with a lightsaber. That'll work. That'll wake me up. I feel. If it, especially if it was a real one. <laughs> like a taser. Do you think I'd feel like a taser? No. No, it hurt. It's a plasma blade. It's going to burn you. Yeah, I guess so. Either way, I'd be awake. I mean, they cut through metal. I barely touch you with that. You're going to lose your arm. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well... That's this for is, that's it for our crazy banter. Yeah, that, that, this has started off kind of frightening. So before we get into anything else, we're going to talk about one thing that will come up later on in the episode. Uh, we are giving a giveaway game, uh, courtesy of Daniel here. Uh, that is Horrified American Monsters. And he was being horrific when he popped his mic right that's there. That's right. So Horrified American Monsters, awesome game. We both like it. Non-sponsored by... Uh, no, sponsored right. by me. Yep, sponsored by you, not by Robinsberger. Although, if Robinsberger, if you're listening and you want to sponsor a future episode, send some stuff our way. That's fine. We'll yeah. we'll, we'll do some giveaways. If we don't have the game already. Yeah. Then, yeah. <laughs> if we have an extra copy, we'll give it away. But no, um, they, so listen later on in the episode. We will be giving out a keyword, which you will then want to email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. With the keyword, and we'll tell you all the details later on. Yep. With that being said, though, this episode is kind of a weird one. Eh, I think it's a good discussion topic, it is. though. I completely agree. It started with, quite simply, uh, I proposed an idea. It's like, how does how does our friends, or how does the people, like friends, family, how does that decide what comes into our library or not? Mm-hmm. And... We both quickly agreed that that is not enough to go off of for a full, like, eight list, like how we normally do. Yeah. So, how could we back that up a little bit? And you came up with... Uh, what are your gaming library rules? Yeah. And so, not just, like, uh, like no food on the on the table, necessarily. It's, like... It's no, more it, like, it's more, like, what, oh, what do you allow in your collection? Why do you allow it in your collection? Right. Is there a reason why you do this instead of this? Right. Exactly. And you know what? I already know I'm going to trade one of mine. For I already made a trade. Uh, yep. As I was writing the list, I was like, nope, I have a yep. better role. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I agree. And, and I'm going to make my list or change that one thing in my list later on. But mostly, you know, we're following the same general idea is that we want to know what makes it, what makes our game collection our game collection. Yeah. Why do we determine what games stay or leave? What leave, yeah. 
And that's also partially because of what we did this weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's tell them about it. So, first off, we have to give a big shout out to Bookman's Arizona. This yep. is a place in Tucson and Mesa that you can find. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's three locations in Tucson. I think only one in Mesa. Yeah. I think there's another in the greater Phoenix area. And yeah. then there's also one like up in Flagstaff, Arizona. Yeah, I think there's one in Flagstaff as well. Yeah. Um, they're a great, they're, they're bookmans. It tells you what it is. They do a lot of trade-ins, whether it's movies, books, and board games. And that's what we mm-hmm. go for. Uh, we call our collection things that don't need to stay in because of our rules and right. take it up there. And man, did we hit a honeypot. Yeah. And, and shout out to them. They're not a sponsor. We want to, we want to give them a legitimate shout out because I have been doing this for a few years now mm-hmm. and, and what a few, uh, a couple years ago. I want to say before the pandemic, before the lockdowns, I I finally told you it's like, hey guys, like why don't you come with me and come check this place out? And I, I, think I think this is first... our 2018. I think is when we all started doing it together. Right, right. So that I had been doing it for a year or two at least before that. Yeah, and I remember what what was your thoughts the first time I I brought you? Oh no, I had a great time because uh, first off. I got in and out, and it's not something we get out in this area. So I was right. able to get a good burger in Tucson, and it, well, I can get good burgers here, but that's here, they're there. But I also found one of my favorite games at Bookman's, and that made me hooked. And um, I got Viticulture. Yep, and the very so, first the, time you went. Yeah, and so I was like, I spent all my resale because I didn't really take that many then. Mm-hmm. But I got a game that I've been searching for for a while because worker placement's my jam and I heard everything good thing. And, and that's also the game that hooked me on Stonemeier too. So Bookman's right. is Special wrecked place, my money. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then since we've, I brought quite a few of my friends and doing this and because we, we have some good bookstores here, you know, mm-hmm. it, here locally, we have a really great one called Coas. Yeah. But it's, they don't have the same selection. As, and it's not as just that. It's, when it yeah. comes to um, co-ops, is mainly about books. It's really yes. just the trading in the books. Yeah. They they have like four or five, six different rooms of just books. And then there's like a shelf full of board games. Right. Bookman's has like a whole area for just board games. Yeah. And especially that first one we hit, uh, which is on uh, Bookman's East, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And that's where we hit the honeypot. And there is the, if you go see our friend, um, on TikTok, Gamehead Geek, he has a video of showing the board game selection of, um, Bookman's East. Right. And it's not just quantity. Like I, I remember a number it's of years quality. ago. Yeah. When I went up to Minneapolis, I went to like a Goodwill over there and they had massive shelves full of games, but they were all like, uh, the, generic. They yeah. Like the Hasbro. And stuff that like, there was not a single game. They probably had probably four or five hundred games to choose. So from. if you're a hobby None gamer, Bookman is the, yeah, yeah. And you live in the Southwest, of course. Yeah, you know. I mean, I'm sure there's other places that that are like that as well. As like, I yeah. think there's like a place in the East called Half Price Books or something sure. like that. Yeah. But no, um, this was remarkable. And to, to the point, let's let's drive this home. There was four of us there. Mm-hmm. Two of our friends found Grell games there. Both uh, of them found old Days of Wonder right. copies of Cleopatra. Yes. One of them that. found a copy of uh, Ticket to Ride Marklin. Right. And, they, yeah, they just hit the jackpot there. They Both did. of them were, like, super excited. Don't get me wrong. 
I got a Grail game for myself too. Though there's an Ascension pack that I've yeah. been wanting for a long time, the uh, Dawn of Champions. It's hard to find sometimes, and then I found it there. So, and then not just Ascension too. You yeah. found one of the Arkham Horror trading card, card games. games that have been uh, I've been struggling to get uh, Path of Carcosa. So I got that cycle started in a roll and write that I've been wanting to try for a long time because yep. Z Garcia touts it on. Uh, all all the time. St. Malo, and yep. they had a copy there, and I got to pick that up as well. Exactly, and I got one of my Grail games, finally. I finally got a copy of Mechs Minions, which I had been wanting oh, for. Oh, yeah. Which I haven't told you guys yet, so I opened it up. Okay. And it's a little strange. All the cards are sleeved. Everything appears to be there, except for one thing. The really nice insert is gone. Oh. So, everything is like in bags... Except for the box that's sealed. I, I think you remember that box. Yeah, yeah. And then the characters have their own little thing. So the four pawns, the four player pawns, are in the insert still. But everything else, there's no insert. That's it's weird. really bizarre. I don't know why. I'm not going to question it. I still have a copy of it, so I'm okay. Yeah, like, you should be it's happy. Fine. Yeah, it's hard I'm to find. I'm not complaining. It's just, how odd, right? Yeah. Like, that was a really nice insert. I'm surprised someone would want to throw it away. Or maybe, maybe it was damaged. Maybe... They're using Ma- it for maybe or uh, because they sleeve their cards, they wouldn't fit properly in the um, the insert. Yeah, yeah, it could be, could be because yeah. uh, sleeving adds space to it. Uh, I have to mention the Dune Imperium big box right there. Mm-hmm. They specifically made it for people who would sleeve their cards, and they were selling the sleeves with the big box. I did get some, and so yeah. and there's still room that I'm going to move the expansion into it. I just had to wait for my new card sleeves to come in. That makes sense, and so. I got a couple other grails, you know. I got yeah. Concordia finally in my collection, yeah. which is awesome. Oh, that wasn't Bookman's, though. That wasn't Bookman's, you're right. But I did finally get it on my trip. Uh, although I got a game called Focus. Yeah. Which is a Spiel des Jahres winner, which I technically had a copy of Focus before. And it's really just Sid Saxon explaining in a book that he wrote on how to play, play it, it with, like, a chessboard and che- and some checkers and stuff. And I finally got an actual copy. This was from 1965 and... The inside, still sealed up. Oh, nice. The checkers are mostly still, like, in plastic wrap. Now, part of it was broken off, but it's all still plastic wrapped. And I was like, wow. And then, but actually, it didn't say by Sid Saxon. It said by Sidney Saxon, which I guess is his full name. And I never knew, but the rules say that. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) news to me. And man, but I got so many good ones that I had been wanting on my list for such Actually, a long time. Actually, I can see a picture. And some heavy Euros, too. Like, I got, I picked up Francis Drake. Yeah. Oh, you. I got two Freedom got, and Freeze. A lot of us actually came back. I think you're the only one that didn't come back with almost as many as we took. No, because <laughs> I came back with 16 games. Okay. My final count was 16, maybe 17, but I do believe it was 16 games. However,. I left with 68 games. So that is at least 50 games that I am now down on my collection, that I have culled from my collection just for that reason alone. Which is not a bad reason. You know, it makes some room. Oh, I also got uh, Eminent Domain. That was another one that I've been yes. wanting a lot for. Eminent Domain. And that's going to be hard to find. I got a, sp- a failed game mm-hmm. that is going to be very hard to find because Tasty Minstrel is out of business. I got Aquasphere. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I got a big, or uh, the Kickstarter Deluxe Edition of Raccoon Tycoon. Yeah. That thing is obnoxious. I love it. 
<laughs> the I recess know. boards are nice, but there's the I guess they're the first player tokens. I haven't really read through the rules, but those things are massive. They're yeah. about the size of my hand. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those they were intense. You showed me while I was driving. I almost swerved off the road. I <laughs> uh, also got a copy of P- Phil Walker Harding's Llama Lamb. Yeah. So that made me excited. In fact, I, the I, there was a, yeah, well, where it was almost a, a fist fight between me and my buddy for that yeah. one. And I, then, of course, I got two packs of Ascension. One, the, the Dawn of Champions is the one I was looking for, but they also had Dreamscape there to go with the other two that I have up there. Yeah. I ended up getting uh, Ex Libris, which was on my my want list for a long time um through the desert with reiner canizia which i'm excited about um imhotep the duel which is you know yeah our favorite phil walker harding uh so that's another one and i got a couple other silly ones like uh, copycat which i've heard really funny things about yeah. i'm glad it was still there because i saw it last month when i went and is that I the considered... one you went oh no no there was one that you went it was francis no it was ex libris that you went back for right yes we ex made libris, a stop. and i ended up getting just ex libris um that second stop i got museum when we went back mm. um no you went back the rest of us didn't want to go in there we didn't want to spend any right. money no i know you guys <laughs> knew better at that point because we also hit a game store in tucson mm-hmm. um you should also check them out i, I don't remember their name but games they're in the gadgets. games and gadgets in the tucson mall yeah, um, I actually Which picked have a up, tavern in the back. Yeah, I picked up Boomerang USA there. Yep, the Stanley Gaster situation, a kids on bikes board game, and of course, a game that both you and me love that made it into our top one hundred after just one play. Juicy Fruits. Yep. Is Juicy Fruits the new silver and gold now? Is I that, don't know. Like, is I, mean, it, I show you guys you once. To, yeah, yeah. I show it to you guys once, and then suddenly now you're going to go buy a copy. Maybe not quite as not quickly quite as, as quickly, but yeah. no. Well, I had to take advantage of that they were having a sale there, plus yep. that was already 20% off. Yeah. No, and it was a good deal. <laughs> so. For sure. That's why I got Concordia at the yeah. same location. So, Games Gadgets, Tucson Mall, um, North Oracle, I believe. Yeah. And then North uh, Oracle. also Bookmans, check them out as well. Yeah. Uh, you can also see, um, if you want to see what Bookmans is like, they have yes. a TikTok. It's called Bookmans or at Bookmans AZ. Yes. All one uh, word. Yeah. So, go check them out. By all means, go show them support. Show them the love. We would appreciate it. They appreciate it. They were awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, that it, it's been fun. You know, um, th- this made it a very fun trip for us. A long day. Like, long it's not week a short so drive far. Us, but, <laughs> in fact, well worth it. Tomorrow is the first day I get to sleep in, sleep in. Well, now since you're that trip. Now you're bragging. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I still have about four more days left. <laughs> well, I got to go back to work on Thursday, so no, I just get tomorrow off. That's true. That's not too bad. But hey, game night. That's right. So speaking of game night, let's transition into it. What have you been playing lately? So it's been two weeks since we last did this, and mm-hmm. I got some games in. Mind you, I got a little bit more Gloomhaven. I've done. Uh, we've delved d- deep into the initiative, just FYI. But those are not going to get on the list because we kind of yeah because we kind of talk about it. But now, man, initiative is getting really good. So I recommend everybody out to go out there at least try it. It's it's been fun. Yeah. But the first game I want to talk about is one that you didn't show up for, and you're kind of kicking yourself for it, and that's Cascadia. Yep. Oh, that it's such a good game, mind you. The theme does not matter on this game at all. It's good. It's it's gorgeous. It's very good components. It's basically you're drafting tiles in uh, animal creatures and putting them in there because you want to score the animals in respective their respective patterns. And 
it played quickly. Like I would be trying to put something or uh, type something to my father-in-law, um, and then my our mutual friend Dom would be like, "Okay, it's your turn again." Yeah, what? How is this happening? Mind you, it was a two-player game, and it just went so quickly. I'd be like texting my father-in-law, and like two seconds later, it's my turn again. I'm like, yep. "I just take my turn." Okay, let me take. I didn't even get to finish the sentence. What we're, the heck? We're in contrast. Like what? The the week prior, we're playing. Uh, <laughs> Lost Ruins of Arnak, and I almost got a whole game of Oniram in. in between my turns. But, yeah, so Cascadia. I highly recommend you at least play this one. Okay. Um, I might get myself a copy because it's going to go with one of my rules for later on, so we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But, yeah, it was it was such a good game. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, the first one I've been playing is... Uh, and I know... I think that you had been interested in it, but I know our mutual friend Dom is is definitely into it or wanting to play this one. That's the Magnificent. It's the one with it's a really dark cover and there's a juggler on the front and it's a circus theme. Mm, I, I... Yeah, very. It, it's a fairly heavy Euro game. It's a dice drafting game. Uh, oh, goal, that's why he really wants to play it. He loves dice drafting. He does love dice drafting. Yes, and so the idea is there. There is technically four different colors <laughs> of dice, but really three. One of clear dice. And you are going to be taking four dice per round. Okay. And you're going to be placing them onto your action cards. Well, your action cards also have different ways to score points, different goals. Uh, but the actions give you a little bonus for it. So, for example, I might uh, take like a green four and place it on one of my action cards, which will let, give me a bonus to get like maybe a worker or get some extra money. Mm-hmm. And then I will take that action, which can either be um, perform which uh, you always have to be higher than the person previous to you. So there's like a little bit of a timing track going where if if I take the spot that t- costs like eight power, yeah, then you would have to go 10 or higher. Um, or you can move one of the three rings and then you gather gems, which can help augment dice later on. Or uh, there's something else that you could do, but I forget off the top of my head what, what it is. It was only once I played it. However... What's interesting about that is at the end of the game, uh, or at the end of each round, you're you're still trying to perform things for points. There's other ways to get some points, but your clear dice will be added to your highest uh, total power of colors that you've drafted. So if I've drafted a total of ten green and four clear transparent, I have to pay fourteen coins then to the bank. Okay. At the end of that round, so money is a pretty important thing. At least to justify your dice. Otherwise, you start losing points, which can suck. Um, I thought I was doing really well until the other player I was playing with, he ended up performing all five of his performances in one turn, which is impressive. But that jumped him up about 40 points higher than myself. Hmm. You have to gather these tents that work in conjunction with with your performance cards. And so by taking those performances, you are then going to get uh, points plus whatever rewards are showing on the card or the spot or the card itself. Okay. So it's cool. It, it's definitely heady. I don't know how much I'd play it again, but I did enjoy my time for sure. Um, you know, I do like dice drafting. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it, it you could tell it was not streamlined to like a fell level, right? Who designed this one? I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. I don't remember the publisher. I don't remember the designer. But it was really interesting. I love the art on it. The art, it's a super dark, creepy, like, circus style. 
and everything is like the nice lines from like it looks like the twenties, like classic circus, like really thin okay. art yeah, yeah, deco yeah, yeah. style. I really dig it. Looks awesome. But I mean, if you like heavier or middle to heavyweight euros, definitely the magnificent is worth your time. So speaking of heavy euro, this is not one. My next game I'm going to talk about is a cute little card game that uh, our mutual friend Dom showed me as well. Uh, the game night you and our mutual friend Bryce didn't show up to. Yep. Um, this one is Fort. I honestly thought this was a really good, simple little card game. Uh, I say simple. It's not that simple. There's a lot moving parts, but for uh, Cole or uh, uh, Leader Games game, it's simple. Yeah, for Leader Game. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is got a lot of moving parts, but it's basically a deck builder. You always have your two friends, depending on who you are, your best friends. Everyone else could be drafted away from you, you know, Ollie, Ollie Oxen Free or Red Rover, whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. They could be dra- taken by another person if they get put in the thing. And I just, it's such a nice little engine builder. I figured out a great engine for it. And so I was playing one card, getting all my resources by mm-hmm. discarding cards and then I put my best friends out in the thing. Well, they can't be taken away from me, so I don't have to worry about it. Draw up, shed cards, because I have to discard or take cards out of play. So at the point where I'm just doing that one move over and over again, built my resources, and then I start building out my forts, which allows me to put cards or tuck cards back there so I can use them for other things. And I just kept doing it, kept doing it, and it turned out to a phenomenal engine builder. I ended up winning the game because of the way I played, the simplicity of my engine. Discard cards oh look you can't recruit this if i take it out of the game he's banished from play so i had a great time with it i really enjoy it i may think about picking up my a copy for myself but i don't know yet i do have to play it with a bigger group because i think it played really well with two i don't know how it plays well with four yeah my cause paralysis paralysis but yeah yeah all right but that is fort I've only played half of a game of Fort. Yeah, he, uh, they were, he was telling me about it. So he's yeah. like, I'm happy I finally got a full game of this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and I, I did enjoy what I was doing, but it's definitely a different take on deck building. Mm. It's a very different take, one that I had never seen before. And I like that. I really yeah, do. I love I do things when people try to do a twist on something mm-hmm. you're used to. Absolutely. Cool. My next one um, is technically more than 60-something years old. And that is Buried Treasure by Restoration uh, Games. Yes, okay. I got a chance to play this. I brought the day I got it in the mail. I brought it over to my parent or my mom's house, uh, along with my wife and kids, and it, because it plays two to five. Okay. And I annoyed them to the point where we were, they were willing to play it. And as you was, do, as I do, and. They're like, okay, well, is this a complicated game? I'm like, no. In fact, this looks overly simple. I don't know. And when you first read the rules, it's literally just, you know, there's four different colors of pie. Mm -hmm. Um, There's uh, dark brown, blue, yellow, and pink, I want to say. What the heck is the dark brown? Chocolate. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, so, the blue is blueberry, I'm taking mm-hmm. the yellow is like lemon. Lemon, yeah. And then the the strawberry. It's like strawberry, yeah, something like that, yeah. Um, or it might have been raspberry. Oh, I can see that yeah. too. But either way, um, it's just four different colors, and there's 15 cards of each, okay? And so all you're trying to do is you're trying to get majorities in them. If you have the most of something, every round there will be one of four cards that is up. So like let's say this round... Uh, lemon is the most valuable. So it'll say lemon lemon pies are worth 10 points for whoever has the most. 
then eight points for second most, six for that, and it and they drop down. And then they'll have a the next pie down, which will be like chocolate. Then most will be like worth eight points, then five, then three or whatever. And then the next one down, raspberry, and you get the idea. One will be the least valuable out of those. Yeah. And then so it's literally just each of those four cards has one of the pies as top, and then it just kind of does like a rotation thing. So I think like chocolate is always below lemon or something like that. Yeah. And so you're only playing three rounds though, so one of these will not be shown. So you mix those four cards up, you flip one over for the round, you shuffle the 60 cards, and you deal out 20 of them in four rows. Okay. One row of six, two of five, and then one of four. Simple as that. Yeah. On your turn, you take a pie. That's it. Man, That's I don't want it. pie, damn it. Yeah, now now you want pie. Except the cards have a couple, couple small little abilities. One, there's a more, which M... O-A-R, exclamation point, because it's like, you're like raccoons or something. You're like, you snuck into a bakery, okay. which is why it's called Buried Treasure. Um, yeah, you're like raccoons and possums and stuff. And so you can get a more, which if you get that, uh, then you just take another one that's on the bottom of one of the piles of the same color, if there's one available. Okay. Okay, so if I take a yellow more, I can take another one. But then there's some that have grabby paws on them. Where, let's say it has either two or three grabby pods. If I take one, that means I get to steal that many from another player. So if I take one with two grabby pods, I can take two of the same flavor from one player of my choice. That's it. But there's one really cool catch about it. Okay. If any players ever tie for the amount of pies that they have for any of the colors, they are eliminated from that. Oh, geez. So, what that means, and this is what makes the game good. My wife figured it out really fast. She was like, I she was like, I only have three raspberries, but that's the most valuable. You have eight. <laughs> it's like, but my her son would have six. So, if I steal two from you, I suddenly have majority because you're both eliminated. From it. <laughs> when you figure that out thing out you're starting to look at everybody else's pies and you're like oh no oh no because <laughs> now now it's just a matter of like who am i going to steal to cancel everybody out <laughs> like how can you gain majority with one you know yeah. but you can in that game oh man is it good it's surprisingly good your so family th- are cutthroat players too they are very cutthroat and they liked every minute of it well your mom's a trick taker too she so is she, she loves, loves trick taking games so mm-hmm. this one is kind of right up her alley to yeah. mess with people yeah they liked how simple it was my my daughter liked it my son liked it because he was he's always a super like he loves take that games his yeah. obsession right now is munchkin so like yeah he he loves take that games yeah and so that's really cool. Everybody in my family liked it. You know, there's some legitimate strategy in it. Um, and it was a good time. It was a remake of a game from 1992 called Buried Treasure, which is pirate themed. And that was then a remake of something, uh, Harold and the Colonel or something like that from the 60s, which was like a short run Hanna-Barbera show. Okay. And so, yeah, I was just super impressed with it. Uh, I'm glad Restoration's restored it which i had no idea um, yeah it's just that it it's one of Jackson. it's one of their like under the radar ones it's kind yeah. of with the the trick-taking one indulgence yeah where it just kind of flew under the radar that mm-hmm. they did it yeah 
Because you got your the big Kickstarters, your Return to the Dark Tower that everybody knows, yeah, your Fireball, Fireball Island, Island. Yep. and so these ones I love their smaller ones that just kind of come out of the radar. Another one, uh, what is it, the the Tea Party, Dinosaur Tea Party, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm very impressed with their smaller ones. Like mm-hmm. I, it's worth watching. And uh, shout out to Rob Davio for being on our podcast a couple years ago. Yeah, all right. So that was my number two. No, it was your number three. Number three. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> My number two game that I want to talk about here, because I do the countdown. Okay. It was my. It was actually my number three. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my number two is a game that we both played, and there was a bit of mistakes uh, made with that. It was a bit of a, a rule flub by me, but we still ended up really liking the game. And then I played it with the actual rules uh, the second go around with my other game group. And it is so good. And there's a reason why I won the Kinder Schmill. Paleo. Oh, Paleo. Yep. <laughs> now, mind you, the, the rule uh, just made things a little bit simpler for us. That's yep. really all it was. Uh, afterwards, it does get more difficult. Um, but because one of the things is that I read is that everything you get, you share. But you don't share if you get a specific item, like a tool or something like that. You can help with that tool if you choose to on your card play, mm-hmm. but you don't share it as a group. It's not like um, someone's taking it out and you're passing it along the lines because we're our own little groups hunting in different areas and we're bringing it back to the cave. Mm-hmm. But I do have to say this, is, and I've only played the first scenario twice, uh, once with the roll flub and once with the actual rolls and it is night and day one of the better games out there. And there's a reason why I ran for this game or I chased this game for so, so long. It is a good game. The art is pretty good. But the thing is, it's over the top for a card game. Oh, there's yeah. like four boards. Then you have this whole thing for your tool set. Mm-hmm. You have this thing for your graveyard. Yeah, um, all that cardboard did not need. It yeah, ever. it was. It could have been a thing, but don't get me wrong. I I like the production. The art is great, but it's a little over the top. It's one of those things we talk about, like games that could be overproduced and still be good. This is one of those. It's overproduced, but it's such a good game. And the fact that there, it, we didn't even use half the cards in the the thing. There is yeah. like a whole stack of cards. That haven't been used because you change them in and out depending upon the scenarios you're doing. We did scenario one. Uh, there's scenario two, and then you can make achievements. You can keep a campaign log per se, but you, mm-hmm. it's not really a campaign game. You're just playing different scenarios with different cards and different rule sets. But, oh, man, I'm glad I got it. Yeah, I'm glad you got it too. I'm glad I finally got a chance to play it. Where where I am with Spiel, you're with Kenner Spiel yeah. for sure. So that means that you and I are going to have to like stay up like late one night and <laughs> yeah. the Spiel's just so we can have a viewing party. <laughs> I don't know if we can do that. Honestly, no, we're old. No, we really can't. <laughs> but and it's normally on and weekdays we're married too. too. Yeah. yeah, it's always on weekdays. I remember I always stay up very way too late. And I'm tired for the next day of work. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. No, not but, gonna. Not the wife won't let us do it. No, no, no way. Uh, next one I've been playing, uh, my number two is a game, which first off, if you don't like the theme, that's fine. I respect it, but it is incredibly tongue in cheek. It's called Let's Summon Demons. Ah. So good. It's so ridiculous. I showed it with my, to my 12 year old son. And before you say I'm an awful parent, 
it's all just like ridiculous over the top. It's, like, yeah, it's the the same. What was the other game that we played? Uh, digging for treasure. Digging for bar- yeah, digging for treasure. Let's dig for treasure. It, it's the same premise, you know. Like it's it takes very dark, demented stuff, but it's it doesn't show anything that's graphic. No, right? the, there's no. Like, Honestly, I mean, it looks like a game from the '80s, and we were just talking about it on yeah. the trip. That if this came in the '80s, it'd be the whole satanic panic again. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and the whole premise is that you're trying to get souls, which are effectively your currency. You're using the souls. You trade in three souls to get a kid from the block, or a or yeah, a kid or an animal from the block. Bring it into your into your area, and then you snuff three of them to become <laughs> to get summon one of your demons, which you start off with three of them. Uh, the first person to get three demons summoned and have ten souls wins. So you're trying to build this engine. All animals work off of the number seven, whereas all the kids, um, they're either uh, eight or above, eight through twelve, or two through seven or two through six, and they have different abilities. And of course, the less common the number, the the better the ability because that well, less, yeah. that less likely. Think space base. Yeah, think space base or Machu Koro. You know. And Machikoro, space, space. Uh, no, it's actually more akin to to Machikoro because of just how how much more simple it is. Space Base has that escalating thing where it yeah. builds up, but you know, it all of the kids, animals, and anything from the block, they always activate on any turn, no matter what, and they all cost the same too. So it's think space space. Yeah, no, no, the, space space only activates on your turn until you've deployed it. Then it only activates on opponent's turn. This activates every turn. Yeah, well, the thing is, uh, Machikoro only has one set of cards that activate on every turn. Yeah, all the red ones. Yeah. Or or uh, green ones, yes. Red ones activate on other turn. You're right. Uh, but the thing is, this is just, they don't color code, no, nothing's different except for the demons, which only activate on your turns. But the demon powers, that's what makes this game so good. <laughs> like, sure, the kids, like, they're fun. You know, they're, they're not bad for what they do. You want to build up this engine before you get rid of them all. Um, our friend Jim, it, he he ended up getting a demon right off the bat, and it was, like, a number seven, and it said, activate every kid you have. But he got rid of all of his kids to get that demon, and so it was it was very slow for him to build that build back, back up. up. So okay. And that was his own doing, you know? Yeah. Um, but you always have a candle that you can always go off of, and those just numbers weren't rolling for him. And so, long story short, he he had an ability where he... I've never seen him get that frustrated in a game. Not because of the game, like he wasn't mad at the game. But at the beginning of your turn, you roll... Or no, you don't. You can choose it in any order. You could actually uh, summon a demon or get a kid before you roll, even, to build up that engine. Whereas like Machikoro and Space Race, you have to roll at the beginning and then activate yeah. accordingly. No, this, you can wait, and then our friend, uh, after he had summoned his demons a few turns before, our friend rolled a 12, and he was like, darn it! And we're like, what? What? What happened? He was like, nothing. You'll see later. And we found out later, he had a demon where if you rolled a 12, you automatically summon another demon for free. Oh, man. And and he chose to play the activate the others instead of that, and he was like wishing between the two. Yeah, he didn't know. And these demons all have really good powers. Like I had one that you could always choose to re-roll, or like the animal one. Like you steal a soul from another player for every animal you have. Oh, geez. Like just they're all really interesting, hmm. how they work, and 
And the fact that they only work on your turn makes sense because they're super powerful. Oh, yeah. But, man, it makes it such an engaging game. Like, if you can get past the dark theme, if that's not your style, then fine. But if you can get past it, if you find... If you understand that they're going for tongue-in-cheek and it's it's oh, yeah. it's demented on purpose, it's like uh, what, the movie Army of Darkness, right? Or Evil Dead. Yeah. It, it, or, no, Army of Darkness is a, is a good example. Yeah, it's Army more of Darkness a comedy. Yeah. Yeah, because of how ridiculous and over-the-top it is. It's not a horror at that point. The best way for, like, modern people, I would say Freddy versus Jason. They don't take it self-seriously. Right. It's very campy. Yes. It, that's what it kind of feels like to me. Yeah, or, it, I haven't played it, but... Or something like Horrified, you know? It's mm-hmm. a little darker than Horrified, but, I mean, Horrified's the same idea, you know? It's, yeah. like, technically all these really dark things. You're killing, like, villagers and stuff. Yeah. But not really. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's very tongue-in-cheek. And, like, this plays into the into the campy nature of it, but it doesn't ever... It doesn't ever let go of that, but doesn't still doesn't take itself seriously, and you know that. So, Let's Summon Demons, I was incredibly impressed with. Nice. Uh, moving on to my number one, and he already mentioned it earlier, Lost Ruins of Arnak. Yep. Um, we played the newest expansion, the um, Leaders of the Expedition or something like that, I think that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. And my god... This could force Lost Ruins of Arnak to overtake Dune Imperium for me. Dune Imperium was high on my top 100 list. Lost Ruins of Arnak didn't even make the top 100. <laughs> but this expedition with the leader powers and just the new boards, it, mm-hmm. it was oh so good. It actually, uh, the new board itself makes it where it's not so overpowered to go up that track. Um, the first time we played it, all I did was invest in the track and I ended up winning the game. This time, you and me were monster hunting and mm-hmm. we played a three-player game and there was a seven-point difference between yes. first and last place. Yep. And that's because you don't have to go up the track. You can actually have fun and explore and fight monsters and yep. get resources that way. Um, the leaders actually help you get your engine built a little better because now you have something to focus on. Okay, the leader I specifically played is really good about tools. I can put them into my hand if I discard a card, and that card comes back to me no matter what. Even if I banish it, if I get rid of that card, it comes back to me. Yep. Um, And so... That was cool. Yeah, it, and you were cool playing ability. the Falconeer who had the ability where he could send his Falcon to different spots on right. your player board that allows you to get resources mm-hmm. or do a certain action. or yep. It's just, oh my god, it did so well. It made already a point salady deck building worker placement that much better. Whereas Dune Imperium is also a worker placement deck builder, but it has a lot more to do with combat. So you need to get into combat to have a chance to play that game. Yep. I highly recommend if you get Lost Ruins of Arnak to get the Leaders Expedition or uh, Leaders of Ex- the Expedition that the the expansion. I will not play this game without the expansion anymore. Yep, nah, it's I don't that blame good. You. I don't blame you. Maybe if you're showing somebody else new, do you think? Uh no, because I I really think if you play just with the basic board and play with the leaders. I think that makes it easier for new players because it gives them something to focus on. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. All right, my number one was a game that I played that I honestly wasn't expecting much from um, when I played it. I've had it in my collection for quite some time. It is on my shelf of shame, and I finally got down, I finally got a chance to play it, and I played it with um, a mutual friend of ours uh, the night before we went on our trip, 
and I got yelled at because my wife was upset that I was out that late playing games still. <laughs> before our trip. Before our trip, where I had to wake up about six hours later. I do have to mention this. You have the worst timing when it comes to our trip. The last couple times, other no, because when we left in March, we were under a wind advisory. Yes. <laughs> so in 2021, we were under wind advisory. Every single 2019, time. blizzard conditions. <laughs> this year, yeah. we just had a bad freeze. Yeah, and, and so much to the point where... Like, it, our mutual friend, like, we, I picked this months ago, right? Yeah. Like, or no, maybe... It was like around the, the new year. year, yeah. Yeah, turn of the year. I was like, all right, this will be the day. Let's go this. No idea what the weather was going to be, but mm-hmm. we'll, we'll aim for that and see what happens. And then as soon as they said, it's like, man, we're having, like, deep freeze. Like, our friend just texted us, like, man, you sure know how to pick them, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> every time. No, but this was one I played the night before. Um, It's called Shaolia. Um... That's S H A O L I A, I believe. Yeah. And it's similar to like a Machikoro style game. You're building up a uh, your your colony, and we played as the two player. What what I found interesting that first off has one of the best rule books I have ever read. It was good. It didn't need to like have comedy or anything. It was very clear at what it did. Mm-hmm. It was something like thirty something pages long, right? But really, it's only the first, like, 16 pages that have the rules and everything else is all variants and scenarios and stuff like that. Okay. But the basic rules, everything is so well described. Okay. Like, and it, it was describing how, like, the phases work. It, said, it says, well, everyone does phase one in turn order, then phase two in turn order, then phase three in turn order. Um, you don't, one player doesn't do all of it right away. And... It said, for example, if you're playing two players and it said player one, phase one, player two, phase one, player one, phase two. And it had a chart that actually showed that. And then it said next round and it reversed it to show how it worked okay. for two players. It's like something that's really obvious, but they wanted to make sure that anybody could pick, pick it, it up and okay. figure it out really well. It So whoever wrote the rule book, really, really great job on that. I was impressed with it. It made every learning the game super simple. And it looks intimidating at first, but really it's a simple game. You have two ways to win. Um, in the scenario we played, it's a head-to-head. You either destroy the opponent's colony or you get 18 culture. Okay. First one to get that wins. So it's a couple of different different goals to go off of. I went very heavy into destroying uh, Jim's culture or destroying his colony. He went heavy into getting culture. He was at 17 culture when I destroyed him. Oh, man. He was right there. there. And he didn't real. And I think, honestly, if he if he pushed a little bit harder, right at the beginning, he would have won. Whereas, like me, I at first I saw, I was like, okay. Hesitating at first. Oh, wow. He's hardly building up any any uh, barriers or uh, yeah. defense cards. Let's just start flooring him. I'm just going to start full force, load in the infantry, attack away. And it's really cool. Like, I, I was impressed with it. It's a good engine building game. There's a lot of good options. You can buy and trade uh, minerals, which can get you money. Or some minerals need for you to uh, for you to build certain things. Um, the only thing that I, didn't, that I didn't quite like about it, and this is just a small minor gripe, is each of the buildings have their, have their own cost. And normally it's a, an amount of gold and or minerals. In order to draw, like, the level one cards, you have to spend a single gold to draw a card. 
Okay. Okay. And then you put them behind you or behind the board in like a little hand, but it's visible for all players. So like I might buy a card and go, okay, I'll buy another card. I'll buy another one. Okay. And then the next phase will be the building phase. But then that's when I choose, depending on what everybody else bought, then it chooses what I want to build. And it works pretty well because once that, once you build it, it stays on your board until you either discard it or choose to upgrade it. However, in order to get a level two card, you have to discard three level one cards from your hand in order to take one of the face up level two cards. Okay. Which isn't that big of a deal. It's just yeah. like a different way to buy it, right? But then you have ways to buy kernels who can change the change the dice rolls. You have minerals, which can also get you other benefits. You can actually buy a fourth die, which is effectively another action on your attack phase. It's cool. I was really impressed. And I'm actually, I'm kind of a little upset that our mutual friend did not buy the deluxe copy that was at that bookman's. <laughs> because I definitely was pushing him forward. I'm like, dude, it's it's your style. You're going to love this. This is a really good game. Which one? Because both of them, that's really their style. Uh, Dom. Yeah. But I, and that is definitely one that he would oh, like yeah. to. Sounds and like it's it. it's pretty. The art on it is so good. It's one of the best looking games I've had in a while. And you know me, I don't care about stuff like that, but it's pretty. The components are really great quality. You need to start caring about stuff like that. It's because of I, you why Aaliyah keeps pumping out those games. Yeah. But I... It's because everybody else, I'm starting to change over to that, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I do appreciate it. It it has to be a good game at first, but if it adds on that... It, it helps with the table presence. And it Absolutely. helps get more people interested in it if it looks good. Because yes. if you play something like chess and you look at it and it's all black and white, it's like, yeah. why, why am I going to like that? Then you play something like The Duke, which has beautiful pieces to it. Yes. So, I mean, to each their own. But yeah, I think right. games are needing to be stellar. That's right. All right, so let's get into our list. Beforehand, remember, we are doing a giveaway for a copy of Horrified American Monsters. There is several ways you can get involved into getting a chance to winning this. You can get a token for following our Twitter account, at EBG Podcasts. You can get a token for following our Twitch account, as well as a token for following our YouTube account. But one of the best ways to do it is if you can follow the rules and send us the secret word of the day or words to our email at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. And Mr. McKinley, would you like to tell him what our code word is today? That's right. And this, if you've been listening to the first half of the podcast, you'll understand our code word today is bookmans. That's one word, B-O-O-K-M-A-N-S. Bookmans. Mm -hmm. And that's because we did appreciate their service oh, so yeah, much. Yeah, especially um, pay attention to their TikTok. You might see these two ugly mugs on their TikTok right. coming soon. <laughs> as well as uh, Gamehead Geek. If you uh, follow him on TikTok, he'll lead you to like the hall and show you everything that they have in the store. As well as their yep. TikTok will do it as well. Or right. Instagram. You can find them on Instagram as well. Agreed. So that is Bookmans. Remember, put in the body... Or in the subject, subject line, line horrified. horrified. In the body, put Bookman's and your name. So that way we know where it is. Once again, it's limited to the... Continental uh, USA. Continental USA for now. Uh, if we Maybe the name, next giveaway. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 
Now that being said, honorable mentions. Oh yeah, the people's honorable mentions. As always, we put the discussion or poll, depending on which one we're doing, at the Board Game Revolution community group on Facebook. If you want to take part in this, follow them and look out for our post. That's right. We asked them what uh, what are your board game library rules. Specifically, what do they do for their games to stay on the shelves in their specific library? Mm -hmm. Let me just give this a quick refresh, and we'll get to it, just to make sure. Of course. So the first one uh, was by Anthony. He said, games have to flex from one to four, or to at least four. I play mostly solo, so it's kind of a necessity. Honestly, I don't... And Nicholas was agreeing with him, um... It has to... I understand that, too. Yeah. Some people only play with their significant other, so maybe solo games aren't something that needs to be in their library. Yep. Next on our list here is Scott. To stay in my library, it either has to be a game I have wanted to... Or want to play, or my family has want to play it. Or I have to be too lazy to get rid of it. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Scott. Uh, Bethany says, I don't buy anything... That cannot be played two-player. Three-person minimum games just won't get played often enough to validate purchasing. And that's what we were just saying about earlier. Uh, VA says, we have some games that we aren't necessarily super jazzed about playing ourselves, but consider part of having a well-stocked collection, kind of like a bar, Carcassonne, regular Ticket to Ride, Azul, things like that. And that's an interesting topic for me, because for me, and we'll get into my roles in a little bit, but keeping a game that you're not interested in your library? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do have a couple instances of that happening, which I'm probably going to be talking about. Okay. But yeah, I mean, like, I have a copy of Monopoly still. In fact, I have, like, three or four copies of Monopoly. I have a copy of Monopoly somewhere around yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. And it's just for the people, if if we have friends or family that come over, it's like, man, I really want to play Monopoly. I'm not going to deny them that. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who just sent me a message, not like, a few days ago. Saying that they bought the most ridiculous versions of like common common games, and he said that if somebody asks or comes over to his house and asks him to play a game that he would not have fun, they're gonna suffer with him. Which is why he bought those versions, like the Uno All Wild. <laughs> oh man, I couldn't help but laugh and and say that he was a monster. Um, Sean said, "I have to one like the game and two have some chance slash desire of playing it over the course of a year over other options at various player counts. If I stop reaching for a game as a, as a suggestion for some group, it's time to sell it. It doesn't mean the game is bad. It's just not for me any longer. And that's what we were talking about when we did our Bookman's run too. Yep. Uh, Randy said, I had a bad habit of buying games. Others in the group had only because I almost, I'm almost always hosted, so we never got to play them. I've since stopped as a ruse to try to better myself in my judgment, and fair enough. Yeah. Alright, uh, Jason said, I've had friends who own games I liked, and, they, and they've and they moved away and or gotten rid of those games. So, the idea that I didn't need a copy, or that I didn't need a copy... I could just play my friend's copy anytime I want. Turned out to be an uh, turned out to be absolute fiction. If I want to have a game that I can play whenever I want to, the only sure way to is to own my own copy. And that it that's fair. Uh, it happens sometimes. So yeah, uh, if you if that's one of your rules, 
Yeah. Have at it. And Layton, the last one, says, I try not to have more than two or three games with the same core mecha- mechanic. <clears throat> I know how you feel about that, but to keep my collection right. varied and make sure everything is played. The one exception is area control, my favorite mechanic, but the <laughs> but even the area control games are pretty different from each other. Yeah. And that makes sense. You know, if you have if you have multiple games that all play similarly, that's kind of tricky. How can you justify them being on, on list? Uh, a very, very specific example is I ended up getting flip ship, getting rid of flip ships, mm-hmm. even though I had one in it for so long, and that was kind of tough for me because I got Space Invaders, and that plays effectively the exact same game. Yeah, and so, it has the really cool flipper. And the flipper is really good. So, with that being said, those were thank you for everybody who commented and told us their thoughts. And again, once if you want to comment on that forum... I won't bring it up on the future podcast, but if you want to reply, you can go to the Board Game Revolution group on Facebook. All right, you ready to get into this? I am ready. Point of Doom. Point of Doom. You know, I just heard, actually, before we get into this, the Keegan-Michael Key. Do you know who he is? Yeah, Key and Peele. Yeah. He was on Jimmy Kimmel, and I was listening to this literally on the way over here, and he said that he was listening to the microphones because he got to go out... Uh, during a football game and be an honorary captain. Uh-huh. And they went out during the coin flip. And he actually said, he was like, if you ever listen to that, every time, 100% of the time, somebody will definitely say, tail never fails. He's <laughs> like, no, 50% of the time, it fails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how it works. And, and I could not help but think of you when I heard that. So. Tails never fails. Hey, look, it fails. goes first. <laughs> what do you know? So my number eight is I have a select few of designers that regardless of like, and it's a very, very small list of designers Yes, that I, even if the games are bad, I will still own them and I will gladly have I, I can already tell you one that's on it. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Stefan Feld. The Stefan just, Feld. Just happens or just. Yes. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> yeah. Not a great game. <laughs> yeah. Not a great game. And. And the other, uh, there's two more. There's um, Phil, Walker Phil Walker Harding, which if I ever find a copy of, I'm not going to actively seek it out, but if I find a copy of that superhero one, yeah, I'm going to buy it. It's got to be in my collection. Yeah, that's the reason why I yeah. didn't sell it. Exactly. <laughs> and then the last one is Sid Saxon. His are just generally harder to find. Surprised you didn't get another copy of just uh, Can't Stop. I, well, no. So that copy, I've owned a copy of that before and I've given it to a friend. To, to spread the love of Can't Stop. Although, it, it made me a little nervous because I had bought that old-style copy that you saw. Mm-hmm. I bought one at a thrift store, and I gave it to a friend of mine, and a week later, I saw almost the exact same copy at that same thrift store. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, did they give it away? And then later on, I went back to their place, and they still had it. But <laughs> at first, you, I was like, got worried. how rude. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they did not. Did not give it away, but uh, no, can't stop. Got to spread the love. Sid Saxon just makes great games, so uh, that that's what it is. Though, though, if you're on one of my list of designers, I gotta have. Oh, all don't your forget stuff. your uh, spilled desires too. Oh. We may or may not be talking about that. Later. Oh, okay, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was part of that whole. Well, that's gonna jump down my list. So I can talk about it. <laughs> uh, moving on to my number eight. And this one's uh, just for me personally, and that's uh, minimized box space. Yeah. Uh, What I talk about is expansions. If I can put it all in the same box, I'm going to do it. Even if it means i got to take out an insert, I will. I will buy a big box 
version of something. As you can see, my Dune Imperium right here. Mm -hmm. Just to get everything in there, I'm going to put the... You can see the Dune Imperium expansion above it. That's all going in that one box, and then the Dune Imperium box is out. And this is just because I need the space. I don't have... I have this one room. Mm -hmm. I may have a little bit of closet space, but it's mostly these two racks, and maybe another one if I get another one behind me right over here. Sure. That's it. And so... I got to be very yeah. I got to be very efficient about what I'm doing, and it's gotten better for me because now I have two whole shelves. At one point, I only had one shelf and a half. No, and so now the fact that I got two whole shelves, uh, I got more space, but I still follow that rule of minimizing box space. If I can get everything into one box, I can. There is an exception to the rule, and that's Dice Forge, yes. and that's because the the base box is built for playing with the game as well mm -hmm. and then the expansion box does the exact same thing the base box does and so there's no way you can really combine the two but everything else the expansions most likely other than you can see like unmatched that's three boxes up there however i have everything for unmatched and i've put it into three boxes <laughs> so if they give me a big box option you know i'm going to do that absolutely so uh, it's minimizing as much space as I possibly can. That makes sense. That's actually a really good one. Uh, it's not on my list, but I had I thought of that, it would be on my list. That's a great one. Number seven. I'll be leading us off. My new number seven is Spiel de Jaro <laughs> winners. <laughs> it was on my number two, but no. I mean, I, if it's a Spiel winner, I gotta have it. And so much to the point where I will normally pre-order the nominees <laughs> because there's a good chance I'm gonna like them. Um, all so far, all three of the games that were nominated for the spiel, much less the one that won last year, I've liked every single one of them. Micro Macro was a great game. Uh, the Robin Hood is so far a really good game. Did Robin Hood win spiel? No, no, no. That was nominated. Yeah, okay. Uh, it was Robin Hood, uh, Micro Macro, and one other that I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but I know I I had played that. Micro Macro was the one that won, right? Yes. Yep. And so, but I mean. I'm at the point now where if, if one gets nominated, I'm going to buy it. Yeah. So it is a good chance I'm going to like it regardless. So I need to have all the spiel. <laughs> at this point, uh, it's not a rule on my list, but it's going to be like Kinner spiel. Because didn't Lost Ruins of Arnak win the Kinner? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So it's like, Maybe. I already have that. Maybe it did. Yeah. Because yeah, I know Paleo did it in 2020. Mm -hmm. In 2021, I think it was Lost Ruins of Arnak. I'll pull up the list right now while, For you, the Kinner. while you're going over number So seven. my number seven is Player Count. And we talked about it with the, um, the when, what is it, the fans, the Board Game Revolution poll. Um, they were talking about, like, it needs a minimum number of this to this. Yeah. For me, my player count has to go minimum one maximum of four uh, which sounds like it's something that's going to be good because a lot of games hold that however there are games that are minimum three players to play or uh if you're playing like a party game it's a minimum of four or five players for me it specifically really has to start with one because i do like playing games solo uh or four because that's usually the the big thing i don't really play a lot of two-player games i don't really play a lot of three-player games now there's times where I can get a three-player game in. But for me, it's one or four. Those are the two-player counts that really makes it a good chance of it hitting and staying into my collection. Because there's two groups, uh, gaming groups that I play with. I play with Danny here mm -hmm. and our mutual friends that we mentioned, Dom and Bryce, four players, a lot, frequently. 
But I also have another gaming group, a couple that me and my wife hang out with that they play games with, and it it's usually four players. So if I have something that's a minimum three or a maximum of three or right. some that's weird tough. hokey thing, it's tough. So for me, player counts drive this as well. Very good. Yeah, no, I, I've i noticed that just because of the wide range of my groups, mm-hmm. if I put any kind of a limit on my, on my gaming <sighs> yeah. player count, I wouldn't be able to pull off some of the I games. really only play with you guys, or... Right. No, that makes sense. All right. On to our number six. Okay. Well, I'll go off again. My number six... It's a fake coin. That's what it is. Is... <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think this is my fake coin. I mean, uh, my number six <laughs> now is... I, I have to find games that bridge multiple groups. Okay. And what I mean by that is that... it. I play games with you. You guys are obviously my more heavier gamers. Yep. Not you, but like you play heavier games. Are you calling me fat? No. You jerk. I'm calling your games fat. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, look at that terraforming Mars right there. Check out those expansions. <laughs> so you go on a diet. Ooh, no. But um, it's not a big boss. It's a husky box. <laughs> it's <laughs> big bone <fluffy>. box. <laughs> but no, um. Like you guys play like the heavier euros and, mm-hmm. and the like the more expansive games, whereas like my my normal uh, weekly group, they they tend to play lighter games. Wait, much, much you're lighter. saying we're not normal? Fluffy. Oh, no, no, I'm kidding. No, but uh, my other weekly group. Okay. They tend to play much lighter things, and of course, if I play with my family, my son he can handle heavy games no problem. He'll be bored, but he can handle them. But everyone else in my family, they tend to play pretty light stuff. So finding ones that not are not your wife, she's cutthroat at some games. She can, but she does. She chooses not to play a lot of games because yeah, the heavy of how ones, yeah. how heavy they are. So like, I like to play games like Ticket to Ride is a great example because it it's incredibly simple to learn how to play a game, but it it definitely has strategy in it. You know, and like I could play it with you guys and still have you know some good strategy, good competition. So I need to have games that can bridge multiple groups. It's very rare that I'll buy games that don't. And and out of our weekly game group, I tend to bring easily the lightest of the games because of that. More often than not. To like our game group? Yes. Yeah. Like I'll normally bring like two can and and filler games like smaller. Oh, because we like usually games. have the heavier games with us. Right. And, <laughs> and and that's just because and that is generally speaking my the bulk of my stuff is like the easy to middleweight games mm-hmm. because you can get those heavy that. ones with us. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, I just got a heads up that our mutual friend will might be bringing feast for Odin. Ooh, I'm excited for that. Speaking of heavy, speaking of heavy, maybe I'll have to bring something like really heavy, like hamster hedgehog roll or something. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe no hamster roll. We can play that one too. Yeah, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. dexterity is fun. I'm just going to try to get St. Malo to the board. Uh, I want to try St. Malo. Uh, so my number six, moving on to my uh, next one, is if it's sh- sitting on the shelf too long, then it's got to go. Uh, there is an exception to the rule because I really do want to get Fury of Dracula to the table. Yes. But uh, I just recently traded in Dinosaur Island. I really, really enjoy Dinosaur Island. But the fact of the matter is, I've had it for three years, for three or four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've played it my copy once. Yep. 
And in fact, I've only played it twice in the last three or four years. Huh. I played my copy and our mutual friend Dom's copy. That's it. And it just was sitting there. It wasn't getting to the table. And again, I'm back to limited space. And since I am keep getting games coming in, well, if one's coming in and staying in, the other one has to go out. And so that one just didn't make the cut and got rid of it. I really enjoyed that game. But I also have Dinosaur World, which everybody has been saying really puts Dinosaur Island in the back burner. So I chose to keep Dinosaur World, try to get that played, and Dinosaur Island went, and that's just because it's been sitting on the shelf and not getting played. Yeah. I more or less use that, but it's definitely not a rule. No, it's It's, a rule for me. It's a good uh, suggestion for me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Next one. I'll lead off on this one. Tell me it's a trick. Yeah. My number... Are we on five now? Yep. Uh, My number five is this is just an organization thing I do. I organize my games by genre, more or less. Um, obviously, I have one full shelf of Spiel de Jar, and I try to keep like all of the Leia games together, but most of the games that I that I collect, I have like a couple shelves of just dexterity games. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of just party games. I have uh, one full shelf of just two-player-only games. And so I try to keep it by specific genres or styles or mechanisms, and try and lump those in so that way if somebody if somebody tells me hey we're gonna have a party of like eight people cool let me look at my party games boom 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 oh time's up that's a great one you know and i'll pull that from our list i just made to realize that i have to move paleo right now yeah so i get away on the way you do things yeah. paleo sitting on top of and breaking my two prospero hall yep oh yeah more, more than likely but you see what i mean yeah, like, yeah. I, I definitely organize it by category uh, I don't do category. I do by uh, things like Stone Myers over here. I had Prospero Hall right here. Yeah. I got Paleo sitting in between. Well, that is by category. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like I have a lot of my Felds together. Yeah. And then all my Felds are together and all mm. my Seamon are together mostly yeah. in Fantasy Flight. But honestly, it's becoming very eclectic. I just go for shelf space. Right. <laughs> all right. So with me? Yep. My number five is. Not keeping games I'm not enamored with. And we were talking about it, and we got into this a little bit with what the uh, viewers were saying, is keeping games like Ticket to Ride or Carcassonne or something like that because hoping ha- hoping to have a well stock bar. I'm lucky enough that I have a pretty good game group if there is something along those lines that I want to play if I've got an itch to play. I can ask one of them to bring it over, and they probably have it. For me, I'm not going to keep games... Again, limited shelf space. If I'm not, if I don't like the game, I'm not going to keep it. So, case in point, uh, Carcassonne. I owned it. Yep. I'm okay with that game. I just got tired of playing it, uh, especially mm-hmm. against this guy because he's cutthroat. Um, but honestly, I'm not as enamored as it with other people. Like it's your, one of your fa- it is your number one game. Yep. Um, our mutual friend Dom. It's like in his top five. He was telling us, I think yep. top three. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to keep it. Yeah. I can play your gaze's copy. My wife's not enamored with it, so she's why not going to play it. Yeah, why should sure. I keep it? If I want to play it, one of you could bring it. I have it on Steam when we bought the, the big uh, mm-hmm. pack. So I can still play it if I want to. It's just not something that's going to stay in my collection. If I'm not enamored with something, why am I going to keep it in my collection? If you like it more than me, and I know you like it more than me, why don't I just give it to you? Yeah. This way well, you could be happy. Copy, yeah, this way you could be happy. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Cool. Uh, my number five. This is number five or four. This is four. My, Why are you oh, doing four? You got to do the coin. Oh, that's right. And it's probably gonna be you. Yep. My number four. I'm telling you. <laughs> my number four is 
is a, one of the few reasons I have kept games that I didn't like. One of the few reasons. And that is because, uh, as longtime viewers know, I demo a lot of games for shops. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll constantly, I'll go oftentimes to our local shop, teach games every Saturday, uh, to do that. Um, and we have a pretty expansive library there. Yeah. Probably, you know, about 150 games. You know, it's not yeah, bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, it's definitely not bad. We have most of the games that we sell. Yeah. But there have been a few exceptions to that where, where I will own a game that we sell in our store, but we do not have a demo copy. Because more than likely, our, the publisher or distributor has not sent us a demo of it, or they just simply don't do demos. Like Stonemeyer, yeah. they don't do demos no. at all. And so, but, which is a shame because I feel like, you know, it, they pro- they don't need to with Wingspan, but like Scythe probably wouldn't hurt from it, right? Yeah, no, no. Well, um, Scythe is their second best selling game, so maybe something like Red Rising or Tapestry. Sure, yeah. Or Between Two Cities. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, he was kind enough to send us a copy, yeah. right? But it wasn't. It was only because we hadn't played it. It wasn't to demo at a shop or anything, per se. No, because you hadn't played it. I played it. That's true. That's true. It was only because I hadn't played it. Yeah. And you got the copy. Because um, you went leaving my house with it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'll fight you for that. No, but... It, so, what I... I had kept multiple games for far longer than I should have because I'm like, well, you know, we sell it. I, sh- I, I need to demo it, you know, to help sales, yeah. you know, and help show people why they like it. I'm just not a big fan of it. The A perfect example of that is Seven Wonders. I had Seven Wonders for a long time. Oh, yeah. And I don't like Seven Wonders. Though you but you said Architects is pretty good. Architects is, is pretty good. Yeah, Architects is actually really good. I would buy a copy for myself. But, like, King of Tokyo? That's another example of it. I'm not the biggest King of Tokyo fan. I actually, honestly, I'll tell you this about King of Tokyo. I was torn for a while, and I thought I would like King of New York more. Right. And more and more, I'm actually going back to King of Tokyo, just oh, because yeah. it's much simpler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, King of New York, for some reason, it just added enough to be not fun. Yeah. Yeah, but, so that that's a perfect example. I had a good portion of my collections. I just recently traded in Jacques. Oh, yeah, got it. Not that I didn't like it, but I haven't played it. I don't want to play it. You know, it was fine to play, but I had kept it for years because we were selling it in the store. Yeah. And, yeah, it's a it's a shame, but, you know, it, and it's fine. It's a great game. If you like it, it's, that's not a problem. But that's one of the reasons I had too too many games is because it's just, I hadn't, I, I technically had that reason to keep a hold of them. Yeah. Instead of selling them. So that's my number four. So, moving on to my number four is a crossover, and it's for allowing collections. There are games that I'm going to have that, just because I collect, I collect Stonemaier games. I have every single one of them, and I am going to pick up Libertalia, um, which is, it's been announced. He's going to release it, so yep. Libertalia is going to be the next one. I think it's like the Winds of Gelcrest or something like that. Oh, okay. So, new art, new design. Uh, very pretty looking. Oh, very good looking. Yeah. And then a uh, nice... Uh, um, was it nice changing of the rules? I guess it m- make mm-hmm. it more streamlined, and it's always good when you're getting a revision to streamline it. But yeah, I collect the Stone Meyer games. I collect Fell games. You can see them kind of over my shoulder over here. I collect mm-hmm. Prospero Hall games. Though I finally sold a Prospero Hall recently. Mm-hmm. I sold about three uh, or four. Uh, Shining. Uh, I I like Shining. It's just one of those that didn't get the table. Yeah. Um, and so I do allow for collecting. Uh, even if I'm not completely enamored, I still like the game to a certain extent. Right. Uh, case in point, Pendulum from Stonemaier Games. I've only played the solo mode. 
I'm not a fan. I don't, I don't know how I feel about the worker placement timing as well aspect of it. But I want to play it full on and see how it goes. But I'm probably still going to keep it even if I'm. it's not my favorite out of the Stonemaier games. Because I just like collecting his games. They're nice to look yeah. at. They're fun to play. And we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. All right. On to our number three. Finally. Hey, look. My go. number three. I get to go. And I mentioned it earlier. I have a limited amount of space. So I have to be very picky about what I'm doing. This is why I do the things that I do. And so when you have limited space, you have to be smart about how you're doing it. So if you notice over there on my Shuffle Shame, I have the three expansion packs for Dinosaur World. All of those are going to go into one, maybe two boxes if I can get it away with it. Um, breaking down. So the Tsukiyumi Full Moon Down, I'm going to have to break that down completely as much as I need to. And it's just because I have a limit of space. So if you have a limit of space, you got to be choosy. I don't think I'm going to get more than, if I can get another smaller shelf behind me, 300 games in this room. And that's not something to scoff at, but there's people right. in this room that have over a thousand. <laughs> I still not am sure about the accuracy of that number. But, but I'm also thinking about stuff of... Uh, breaking down, like I mentioned about where how I break down all the expansions of the box, but the, another thing that I've done is like the smaller card games, I get photo carriers, and I put them in the photo carrier box, and I label them, and that's how I carry those around. I don't have the boxes for them. They might be in the closet over here, but um, it just, I got a limited space, so I got to find the best and most efficient way of keeping the games to that. That makes sense. Cool. Uh, my number three is... And I'll expand more on this, but this is about one specific game that I have been keeping too long. Time Stories. I want to get it done. We haven't finished it. We're on the last scenario. But actually, but this adds on to it. I'm not sure what I'm going to do once we do finish it. Mm -hmm. I probably will still keep it because I don't know if I want to get rid of the entirety of Time Stories. But it's the same with all my Legacy games. The ones that are replayable, I want to keep. But even like Pandemic Legacy, Season 1, 2, and 0... I still have all of our original copies of it. And, I and have plans for that, my pandemic. Uh, see, I I consider them heirlooms at this point. Me and my game group created this. Yeah. And that's that's special. I will probably never get rid of that. And Nor would it, if it's not replayable, it doesn't make sense to give like a thrift store or anything oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and to the point is, recently I, I got a game at a thrift store that I found out was incomplete after after selling it to somebody, I bought it back from them, you know, and, uh, and I proposed the idea to you guys, like, what do you guys do? I'm not going to give it back to a thrift store. I don't yeah. want anybody to find an incomplete game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what should I do about it? You know, I don't feel comfortable trading it into Bookman's. I don't feel comfortable, like, just throwing it away because it's pieces that people could potentially use, I guess. Yeah. You know, so I was very conflicted with this. And thankfully, a friend of ours was going to do, I think, going to do an art project with it of some yeah. kind. Which is fine, um, but it's if it's been consumed, any part of the game, mm -hmm. I don't feel comfortable getting rid yeah, of it, exactly. even if I can never play it again. Yeah, I, I, in fact, I have a copy somewhere around here of Marvel Legendary that I got on one of these trips, and yeah. I got burned by it. There it didn't have everything in it, but I didn't feel good about trying to take it no. back or something like that, or traded it back in. It's like, what's right. the point? It's going to make someone else sad. So yeah, exactly. I have it floating we don't around in here somewhere. We spread the spread the happiness, not the yeah. sadness. Yeah, right? exactly. So it's rare that we get burned, but if it happens, hey, it happens. It happens. It's yeah, it. it's the thing about the thrift store. So yeah, exactly. 
Uh, yeah. So my plan is uh, with my pandemics is I want to make them kind of like art pieces, kind of like okay. framed stuff that you're going to put up there. I'm going to glue some of the tokens on there, but it's only for me to see because I don't want to be spoiler for other people. So it might just right. kind of stick on these walls over here that That'd doesn't cool. get on camera view. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. I can almost imagine like, yeah, like one with like the covers and stuff and like non spoiler things and it like trifolds out. Yeah. And that has like the boards and everything in it. That would be really cool. Yeah, no, it'd be interesting how I want to do it. Right now I'm in the middle of season two. Right. So we'll see what happens. That's cool. All right, moving on to our number twos. All right, our number twos. And I will go first. (laughs) You had one at least. It's a trick coin, I'm telling you. My number two is kind of a gripe with you oh god and it's one thing that you and i definitely do differently do you have any idea no i think you're a monster for storing your boxes sideways or vertical like this or horizontal i can't stand it (laughs) i want to put them sideways because and here's why my components stay where they're supposed to be and see i that's also part a gripe with with you but also part of a gripe with if a game can't store sideways it makes me really consider like like i mean mechs vs minions i'm gonna keep that because it's great but like anything like a thin box that can't fit on a shelf sideways like because it's just awkwardly thin and long i'm gonna that's gonna question whether i want to keep it on my in my library because it won't fit on my library you know and (laughs) and that's a big problem i have with it is because the reason i store my game sideways is so i can reach over and not have to unshift any other game and pull it out no that is my reason i have no issue with that and and that's fine i mean because also these shelves are built to not collapse on like someone else i I know that was part of the problem (laughs) no um but, like, I used to store my games like this. Uh-huh. And then I, so often than not, they would kind of, like, you know, taper inward. And I would pull out a bigger game. And then I was like, okay, great. But now there's a hole on top that was the same width. So, okay, put it on top. But then the bigger games would start, like, combining in with the smaller games. And then it would just be a complete cluster. And I'd have to redo the shelves every few months. It was a monster. I hated it. I only store my games sideways now. You can see Horrified right here is already sitting sideways because, because that's... it's not it's it's unsealed or it's sealed. It's right. Not. Yeah, and it's fine. It's fine. But I mean that I have to store my games now that way. Nope. And and I'm fine with sorting the games out so they're the right height to fit on the right shelves. Nope. That's cool with me because then now all I have to do is do that and refill the empty space and then never have to worry about it again. Uh-uh. Nope. Until I have a game that just collapses open. Yeah, or your shelves collapse. Right. With these ones, they hold up to 300 pounds per shelf. Oh, I know. And I have it, cheap it, shelves. That has nothing against the games. Yeah, but the thing is, it's better for me to store them like this rather than sideways because I could get 300 pounds on that shelf. Sure, yeah. No, see, with, with this height in between each of those shelves, it doesn't make sense to store them sideways because then you have so much dead space. Yeah. I get that. That's why I, I asked you when I was considering buying these... Like, can you add extra shelves on there? Because I'm going to shrink those down. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, but you could make them uh, lower. Yeah, different heights, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's a, if you notice, like, the caps right there on yes. where the shelf is, uh-huh. there's a ring that you, you can set to any of those indentions. Yeah, right. But you could buy extra shelves for it. I think you can, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. And that's probably what I'll do so that way I can make the perfect height shelves. Knock yourself out. Yeah. That's, that's perfect fine. height to me right there. That's cool. That's And you do you. I'm not going to yuck your yum, 
I'm just saying that I just I have to store sideways now. Uh, my next two actually go with each other, so I'm already just going to say I'm going to take the number one spot first. Okay, cool. Uh, my number two Ooh, is away. yep. My number two is who I'm playing with. I'm going to keep games in my library for who I'm playing games with. If I'm playing with my heavier Euro guys, I'm going to have my heavy Euros bust out. If I'm going to play with the lighter fare games, I'm going to keep my lighter fare games for that group as well. That's the reason why I have both of these together. And so the reason why I'm also taking number one, that goes into my next book, uh, is the copies within a gaming group. If it's a heavier Euro game that I know you or my mutual friend Dom or Bryce, who we tend to play those heavier board games, yeah. I don't need an extra copy. Now, if it's a game that I know is good with you guys, as well as my other game group that I play with... Or your wife. Or my wife, yeah. it I'm going to get a copy for myself. Case in point is Lost Ruins of Arnak. I think it's going to go down. It's heavier Aquatica. than what they're... Yeah, Aquatica is another one. Oh, there's quite a few up here, like Star Trek Panic. You just have one. a copy, just one. It's all about all who, the Felds. Yeah. All, yeah, all who I'm playing with. No, all the Felds is more so in the collection part of it. But um, who I'm playing with in the copies in the game group. If it's a game, uh, what's a Feast for Odin? Uh, honestly, if we end up liking it, I don't think I'm going to need to buy myself a copy because there's already a copy in the game group. Right. I know if you or Dom like it, you're probably going to end up getting a copy. There's yeah, not there's a, a good idea. Yeah, there's not a reason for me to have it because it's a heavy Euro that just won't get played with my wife or that other game group that I play games with. And so, therefore... It doesn't get into it. So that's why my number two and number one really go well together. But it's just who I'm gaming with and the multiple copies in a game group. Cool. My number one, um, and you kind of referenced it earlier. Uh, and I didn't originally choose for this. But my shelves chose this. <laughs> and that my gaming library only has the games I've played in it. In my game room. Um, because I originally had my shelf of shame in there. And that shelf collapsed. And it, I think it was because of the overwhelming shame. I really do. And now I've since moved that shelf into the garage. And now that is my cutoff. So, for example, those games that I brought back from Bookman's, mm -hmm. three or four of them I had already played. Yeah. Those will immediately go into my game room because I have played them. The other, you know, 13 or so that I haven't played are immediately going to go into my garage. Unless I am able to play them prior to... Yeah, they're actually living on my table right now. I was going to say, that makes me a little hesitant just because the garage is in temperature, temperature control. No, but I mean... But luckily, we live in a dry is. area. Yeah, we live in a very dry area. I mean, we'll deal with temperature, but that won't affect games too much. You know, heat, yeah, it still warp the cards a little bit, but you know, yeah. it's not... It, it's still not a big enough deal where... Because, like how you were saying, I have limited space too. Um, Which is weird, because his room is like double the size of this one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big room, but it's... Filled like it's almost to filled with the, the brim. Remember, so, I told you he's got about a thousand in his cop. <laughs> I'm not sure about that number. Um, but that's what I'm saying is that in order for it to make it into that room, I had to have played it. That's my rule. I will not put any non-played games in that room mm -hmm. because I want to make sure if I play a game off my shelf of shame, if I agree to keep it, then it'll go into the game room. If I don't want it, I don't want it taking up a space that I could have had for a yeah. game that I am keeping. That is my number one rule for that game room. Only played games now. Well, with that, that's our rules for our gaming libraries. Tell right. us what yours is. 
So we definitely want to thank you so much. Uh, real quick, right before we sign off, let's just do one more round of talk, telling you about Horrified American Monsters. Definitely not a sponsor by Robinsberger, but we are giving this game away for free. Even. Sealed copy. Sealed copy. You have a, three ways, uh, four ways technically to be part of this, but we have one that we're definitely wanting to encourage you. If you email us with the code word from this episode or any of our past two previous episodes or our upcoming one episode, please email us at everydayboardgames2020. In the subject line, put horrified. And in the body, we want you to put your name and our keyword, which this episode's keyword is bookmans. Uh, also, you got to remember uh, for our audio listeners... This is the second to last one, and it's also for our Twitch and stuff like that. But the next episode that's going to air for you is the cutoff date. So the the next episode is going to be the last one, but you're only going to have a few hours to put in that code phrase in. That's right. Our our cutoff is March 11th, 2022. Yep. Wow, I can't believe I'm saying 2022. That threw me off. But anyway. At midnight, mind you. Uh, 11.59, that's it. Yep. If you right. get it at 12.01 on the 12th, nope. Sorry. Sorry, too bad. So we definitely want to thank you so much for tuning in uh, to Everyday Board Games. Mm -hmm. If you ever want to join us on a live episode so you can get privy to this information or even join in on our conversation. And it gives us, you a token for the giveaway. If you subscribe, join us at twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames. Not only just to get an extra ticket to, to be part of it, but be alerted when we do these live episodes. As well as you can find all video re-uploads found on YouTube at Everyday Board Games 2020. And if you like what we do there, there are three things you can do to help us grow on that platform. Subscribe here if you're not. That also will give you a token. Uh, like the video and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. In this case, what are your gaming library rules? As well as all audio versions to be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. And if you want to email us later on for not only just that co-word, but or just to say hi, mm -hmm. give us ideas for future episodes. It's up to you. Clearly, we're running out of ideas here. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> getting pretty thin here. No, <laughs> no um, but email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. As well as you can also get in contact with us at our Twitter account, EBG Podcast. And if you follow us there, that's another token. So we want to thank you so much for tuning in to Everyday Board Games. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And we want to thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.